entrepreneurs in general have that type A personality where we want to do something and we want to be great at it. You don't have to be great, but stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something completely outside your wheelhouse makes you realize what's really important. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Hillary Topper, chief curator of HJMT Media and recent author of Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete. Hillary Topper has been a public relations practitioner for more than 40 years and started HJMT Public Relations in 1992. She grew the firm from a home office to one of the largest on Long Island. She has represented major national clients as well as many local Long Island businesses and has had them placed in publications and broadcasts such as the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Good Day New York, and many, many more. In 2007, her firm took a bit of a shift and included social media marketing as one of their offerings. Hillary wrote one of the earliest books on social media marketing called Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Social Media But Were Afraid to Ask. That same year, Hillary started her lifestyle blog, HillaryTopper.com, and a couple of years later started a TriathletesDiary.com and her podcast, Hillary Topper On Air. Right before the pandemic, Hillary published her second book, Branding in a Digital World. The book is literally a textbook for small business owners. She also uses it in her digital marketing class at Hofstra University, where she is an adjunct professor. She has been teaching there for more than eight years on a variety of public relations subject matters. Today, Hillary Topper has shifted her focus to her blogs and her podcast. She has hundreds of thousands of followers and has recently become a social media influencer where she represents brands and talks about them on Instagram Reels and TikTok. She recently authored her third book, From Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete, which is a memoir self-help book that encourages people to get out of their comfort zone and try something totally different. She's been on tour around the country promoting health and wellness. Listen in for some great takeaways about Hillary's journey as an entrepreneur, author, influencer, and let's not forget, endurance athlete. There will definitely be some great nuggets here. So I have the pleasure today of being with the chief curator of HJMT Media and author of Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete, Hillary Topper today. Welcome to the show, Hillary. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, it's great to have you on here. And what I want to do is give our audience a little bit of background, right? What was Hillary Topper like leading up to being the chief curator of HJMT and releasing this book, which we'll get into a bit as well, the author of Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete? How did you get to where you are today? What was the path? I started my business, HJMT Public Relations, back in 1992 when my daughter was an infant. And my whole world revolved around the business, basically. And as I started to bring in more clients, I started to really hustle to drive business to the firm so that I could feed my staff, <laughs> feed my family, etc. So every morning, afternoon, evening, cocktail party, I would go out, I would go out to meet different people. And I was packing on the weight. <laughs> I was packing on the weight. I was drinking a lot. And I was just hustling all the time trying to feed my staff. At 48, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm so tired of this. I need a break. I need to change my life. And what I used to do is I used to drive over to the Wantour Parkway. I know this sounds crazy, but I would drive over and park the car and watch as the runners and cyclists went by. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. I want to do that one day. So I decided I was going to join a gym to change my life. And at the gym, I was told to go on the treadmill to warm up. I had never been in a gym before. That was the first time I entered a gym in my life. And I didn't know how to turn on the treadmill. I had absolutely no idea. So I had to like ask the person who was running next to me if she could help me. And she had to stop running. She's all sweaty. She wasn't happy that I interrupted her workout, but she did help me. She helped me turn on the treadmill and I just started to walk. And slowly but surely, as I started training with my trainer, I started to run walk and then I started to run and then I took it outside. And I had met this woman through this time. She, I met her at one of these women's groups. I had joined, I was networking there. I was the president of the group. And she said to me, why don't we run together? Now she was a marathon runner. She had run New York City Marathon. I was like, why would she want to run with me? I don't even know how to run. Basically, it, it went from there. And the two of us started to run together. And it turned out that we had the same cadence, which was great. And we started doing a run walk of some sort. And then we signed up. She said to me, let's sign up for a half marathon. And I was like, well, I never even did a 5k. It was just like crazy, right? Like just signing up for a half marathon when you're not even sure what a race is. But anyway, we ended up doing a 5k together, did a 10k. We signed up for half. We weren't able to do that half together because we both got sick, but we ended up doing a bunch of other ones around the country. And then it was a few years later where we were running together religiously and, you know, we we're really close. And she said to me, it was the Brooklyn half. And she said to me, and it was actually this time of year, she said, I'm done. I don't want to do any more of these running events. 
And I said to her, well, why don't we try a triathlon? Little did I know, I didn't know how to swim. I didn't know how to really bike. And I ran walked, you know, so I wasn't really a runner per se. So that was all challenging. And I had to learn how to swim at 53. I was 53 (laughs) years old when I learned how to swim for the first time. I knew how to float, which was good. But I had no idea how to breathe. And I was like choking on the water. It was a mess. And then going into the open water was another disaster because I had to put on a wetsuit and I couldn't put it on. It was so tight. And so it was just crazy. So that's basically where my journey was. And it led me to last year, I did the Maggie Fisher Memorial Swim, which is a 5.5 mile swim from Fire Island to Bayshore. And I recruited my son, who is not a kayaker. He had a blow up kayak. I recruited him to be my uh, the person who would guide me guide, to the, yeah. the race. And unfortunately, because he wasn't really a kayaker, he drifted off course. So we were about a mile, mile and a half off course when the volunteers came to get us. So I ended up swimming more than seven miles in four hours straight. I didn't take a break. So I went from being a non-swimmer to a distance swimmer. And I've been doing these events pretty much every year since and doing these triathlon events. And I just find them really fun and really rewarding. And I knew I had to do something to change my life. So this was perfect. Obviously, that was the reason and that was your why behind going from couch potato to endurance athlete. But what inspired you to turn that whole journey into a blog, The Triathlete's Diary, and then turn that into a book? How did that progression come about? From the very beginning, when I first started to run, I was documenting my journey. And I was on this blog called Blog Critics. And my blog was called A Runner's Diary. And it was so popular that I decided, you know what, why am I putting the content there? I'm going to just create my own content. So that was back in 2010. I created this blog. And I put all that content on the blog. And then I documented all of my experiences, my races, what I was feeling, my injuries, my nutrition, everything. You know, I was reviewing products and services and stuff like that. And just during COVID, my search engine optimization guy said to me, you know, you got to get some of this content off the blog because it's way too much. That's what's slowing you down. I was like, oh, all right. So I started going through the blog during COVID and I started pulling out all these stories. And before I knew it, I had 350 pages. It was like ridiculous. So I sent it to my colleague, Lisa, And I said to her, what do you think? You think this could be a book? And she said, yeah, but you really need to like include like your personal stuff, your personal journey during that time, your business journey during that time. Because as you know, 
business goes up and down. So it was at that point where I started running, I was really at a high in my business. We had about 25 people working for us. We were one of the biggest PR firms on Long Island. And then it slowly went up and down. But this really helped me focus. It just gave me the focus and the structure to continue. I mean, I've been doing this business now for over 30 years. Yeah, congratulations on that for sure. I'm I'm slowly approaching those numbers also, believe it or not. But one of the things I've gone through is I just recently have a book coming out shortly. It's coming out April 2023. You've written three books now. What have you learned from that process? And what do you think other entrepreneurs can learn from going through that process of even writing a book? Well, the first two books, focused on social media management. The first book was specifically about all the new social media sites back in the day. I published it in 2009. So, I mean, most of these sites aren't even here today. My second book I published in 2020, (laughs) which was a disaster because, as you know, nobody was doing anything at that point. But those two books I self-published and the book Branding in a Digital World, I wrote that specifically for my class at Hofstra. I also teach at Hofstra and I wanted to get a workbook that they could use and also small business people can use to help them grow their business. So that was branding. And then when this came about from Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete, I actually went to a publisher and said, I've got this book. What do you think? And because I had been doing a lot of work with this publisher, I've been reviewing all of their books. I've been having their authors on my shows that they were really amazing when I approached them with this idea. And they had never done like a memoir type book before. So this was very new to them. And that's Meyer and Meyer Sports. They're actually located in Germany. And then they have a U.S. distributor called Cardinal Press. Right. So what advice do you have for somebody who's thinking about an entrepreneur that's thinking about writing a book, somebody who's aspiring to be an author? Are there any takeaways from your experience from the three books that you could relate to them? It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. And the thing of it is, is even if you get a publisher, right, you still need to promote the book yourself. They really don't give you that support, even though they're wonderful to work with, they don't really give you that support. So for me, I did all these book tours around the country. I did that all on my own and had people sponsor me throughout the country to go to these different markets. So I would say go for it. I mean, what it does for you is it makes you a thought leader in a specific field. And having that in the back pocket is really invaluable. You clearly stepped out of your comfort zone. As as you said, you were somebody who was going out a lot, 
maybe not taking care of your health as great as you should have been, doing a lot of the things that probably the doctor was telling you you should either do in moderation or maybe even completely cut out, and you really stepped out of your wheelhouse, your comfort zone. What advice do you have for those entrepreneurs that are similar to you, right? Many entrepreneurs, business people, they get involved with their business and it becomes a life-consuming thing, and sometimes they don't pick their head up and have that aha moment like you did. So what do you think or how do you think people could get motivated to step out of their comfort zone and maybe break that cycle a little bit earlier? So many people have dreams about doing something. Some people want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Some people want to ride a hundred miles on their bike. I mean, there's so many different goals. And I think entrepreneurs in general have that type A personality where we want to do something and we want to be great at it. You don't have to be great, but stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something completely outside your wheelhouse makes you realize what's really important. I mean, for me, my family, my friends, I mean, this just being healthy is really important to me. Yeah, my business is important, but it's kind of taking now a backseat to this because I need to focus on me at this point. Could you share maybe a couple of ways that you going down this path, how it's benefited you personally as an individual? And obviously, it may not have that same impact on another entrepreneur or business owner, but I'll give them an idea of how it's been helpful to you as a person. I think a lot when we own businesses where there's so much stress. It's just so much stress in our lives. I mean, we're, we have to deal with staff. We have to deal with HR. We have to deal with budgeting and bookkeeping and QuickBooks and all these things that maybe we really didn't learn about in school. I know I didn't. I knew how to place somebody in the media, get them a great interview and coach them to have a great interview. But I didn't know all these other things that I had to know. I think that what this does is it helps you to clear your head. Like the more you do these like endurance type of races, you really come to terms with things that you may not have thought bothered you, but they really did bother you. So mentally, it just clears your head. Physically, I'm stronger now than I've ever been my entire life. I'm 60, I'm almost 61 years old. And I was never this strong in my 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s. It's just wonderful to be able to say that. Well, hopefully you're running these things in your 70s and 80s. Who knows? I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there running them at those late stage lives also. One of the things I liked about your book is the way that you started each chapter with a quote, which I find very powerful. How did you go about collecting the quotes that you actually used? And what was the vetting process there? I'm sure you had many more than you needed chapters. And I'm sure you probably have now some stored up for future books that might be in store for you. But how did you go through the process of collecting them, finding ones that work, and then ultimately making those selections that made it into the print or or the audio, I should say, these days, right? Both. Or both. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So what I did was I put it out on social. 
And I just ask my community on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, what it takes to get through a race. And some people came up with some brilliant examples. And it was just someone like a Danielle Motes, who is a pretty new runner. She said, I'm better off running than those who are sitting on the couch or Derica, who is on the all women's tri team with me, she said, the way I finish a race is I think about the burger at the end of the race. You know, <laughs> so it was kind of funny, but I really, I vetted him by figuring out who these people were, where they're located. I tried to get a really good cross section from around the country. And then I even have a couple of people from Europe in there, which was pretty cool. Like there was a guy from London who had a tattoo of his wife on his arm. And he kept thinking about his wife during the entire race. So he'd look at his arm to see the tattoo of of his wife. And then at the finish line, his wife was always there, which is so sweet. Mm -hmm. I just love that. Yeah. So it was like that. That's awesome. I mean, a good way to use social media and whatnot and kind of get your community involved into the conversation. And then in terms of the book itself, do you have a favorite part? Is there a favorite section for you as the writer in the book that you're like, man, I really enjoyed rereading this and re-experiencing it after I put those words on paper? There were a lot of different stories in the book that I love. And there are some that I absolutely hate, like when my sister passed away at 59 and my mother passed away and my father passed away. And like, you know, there's just me and my brother left. That's really difficult to deal with because you just don't think that that's going to happen. And then Sandy and all that. So that wasn't great. But the one chapter that I find is very inspirational is the New York City Marathon. At that point, everything was pretty copacetic. Life was going. And my mother had passed away about a year or so before that. And during these long runs that I had to do prior to New York City Marathon, I came to terms with a lot of things that I had never resolved with my mother. So that was really good. And then at the actual race, which is, this is, I love reading this part. It's kind of long, but I find it really powerful. And it was funny because I read this in Denver when I spoke there at my book talk. And this one woman was following along as each mile, she was following it along on her phone while I was talking about it, which was really cool. But what I did, which was really it really helped me get through the race because it, it's a long time to be out there, right? In a marathon. I put everybody's names. I dedicated each mile to somebody else and I put that on my arm. And so when I got to each mile, I would say, you know, this mile is for so-and-so, my daughter, my, you know, whatever. But I dedicated some of the last miles to like people who say they can't because you can. I never thought I would ever be able to run a marathon or do a triathlon or train for a half Ironman or do any of these kinds of things. And I could do it. And if I could do it, anybody could do it because I am 
a non-athletic <laughs> triathlete. <laughs> Isn't there like, a, I think there's an old or a saying that goes, we overestimate what we could do in the short run and underestimate what we could do in the long run. I think that's a testament. We have a tendency to think in the short run or the long run, and we're like, we can't do that. And it doesn't have to be this overwhelming vision that we have to do it all at once. We could break it up into bite-sized pieces. Most of us aren't having to do this for a job or make a living. So it's something that we're doing to add joy to our lives. And we could just break it up into digestible pieces and increase it over time. It's kind of along the same lines as you have. And you're now doing these endurance and triathlons and a testament to you. And I, I love your story. And thank you for for sharing with regard to the loss of mom and your sister and very appreciate my heart goes out to you and the family and I'm sure there was a lot of inspiration from that also along the way probably through the past events and probably will continue through the future ones as well I would imagine mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. Thank you. you mentioned earlier being an adjunct assistant professor of journalism and media studies and public relations, I believe at Hofstra, you said, right? Mm-hmm. What do you find most rewarding from that position? I mean, as somebody who's been in the profession for as long as you have, I'm sure there's a reason why you're doing it. And it's probably not a financial one. It's probably motivated <laughs> by other means, I would imagine. So what gives you the why for that? I just love to give back. That's something really important to me. And I feel like I learn something every time I teach. Every time I teach, I talk to the students and I find out something new that I never knew. To me, it's so rewarding just to inspire them. I can't tell you, I just went to an event at Hofstra. There was like a job there and there were three of my graduate students who I hadn't seen in a really long time. And they all ran up to me and said, you don't even know how you inspired us. You don't even know. Like we did this. I mean, one of them started her own business as a PR professional. And it just makes me so happy that that happened. I just love that. I think mentorship is so important, right? I talk about it often that usually if we're, when I'm mentoring somebody, whether I'm the mentor or the mentee, I always get something out of it. I think sometimes I get more out of it when I'm the mentor, learning from other people. It sounds like you have similar experiences to that as well. Yeah, I just love it. I really do. And I'm motivated by the students. It's so different, the public relations industry now, sure. as it was when I started, where we had facsimile machines <laughs> and <laughs> we had to call up the media like every two minutes because nobody returned your phone call. You know, it now you so- tweet them. <laughs> now you tweet them. Right. And it's so much easier. Or we're the media now. Right. Right. Sure. Sure, you can create your own stories if you want or need to, right? So that's a huge benefit also. I got to ask you, what has been your favorite triathlon? Oh, I have had so many amazing triathlons, but I think the most inspiring for me was when I did New York City triathlon and I had to jump in the Hudson River. (laughs) First of all, I was scared to death and I also was scared about the hills on the Henry Hudson Parkway is pretty hilly. 
So I was freaking out. You know, I was almost going to quit out of this. I wasn't even going to do it. I went out to a lunch meeting with one of my clients and I was telling her about the event. And she said to me, I don't understand why you're so nervous. She says, you've jumped into dirty water before. (laughs) You've climbed up hills and before. And when she related it to business, I thought, hmm, you know what? She's right. I have. And I could do this and I will do this. And even when I was standing online, because you have to stand online before you jump into the Hudson River, I'm looking over and I'm seeing condoms and dead fish. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, am I really going to do this? And I did it. And it was great. And I had the best experience. And I'm sure there was a lot of pride when you were done with that as well, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. So my understanding, I'm I am not an endurance athlete. I would fail. Not yet. Well, I don't know that I ever could be because I would fail miserably at the swimming component. Myself and water really do not get along well unless I'm on a boat. I have no issue with it, but getting in the water, I am I have issues with that. I don't know. I almost had a situation in Bermuda several years ago that I didn't think I was going to make it, and I wasn't that far off the beach. So that's my hang-up in the triathlon space. But I've heard through others that Lake Placid and the Hawaii triathlon happen to be two of the toughest. Have you done either or both of those? No, I haven't done either one of them. Yes, they are probably the toughest out there. And you really need to be an amazing cyclist, which I'm not sure that I am. I don't think I am. (laughs) So no, I've never done that one. But I have done triathlons across the country. I've done them in Florida, Milwaukee, California. So I've been all over the place doing these types of events. And it's just, I love it. Amazing. Well, listen, Hillary, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And we end each of our shows by asking our guests the same question, because this is the Midland Money Mindset, and we are all about joy. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Today, I decided that I'm not going to train. I'm going to give myself a break and just focus on work. So this is what I did today. But most days I get up at like four o'clock. By five o'clock, I'm out the door. I'm training for something, swim, bike, or run. And today I was like, "Mm, I'm going to give myself a break and just think about the amazing weekend that I had this weekend with my family. My kids came out for the holidays and it was just incredible to see them. And it just made me so happy. So I just kind of like savored in that. That sounds like a great way. And sometimes you need those, what I call free days where you kind of take a step back from your normal routine and break away. It's good for your body, especially when you're training as hard as you are. I'm sure there's a lot of stress on the joints and other areas of the body. So I'm sure your body is relishing the relief of not being exercised today because it's all about moderation, right? So, absolutely. well, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. If people want to learn more about you, more about HJMT Media, or the book, 
couch potato to endurance athlete. We're going to have all of the information in the show notes, but what's the easiest and the best way for people to contact you or learn more about you or, like I said, HJMT or the book? The best way to contact me would probably be through Instagram. My handle is Hillary Topper. It's with one L, H-I-L-A-R-Y Topper, T-O-P-P-E-R. Or you could just Google my name and Google the book and you'll find I'm all over the internet. (laughs) Awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking out the time to spend with us. I hope people will buy the book and be encouraged and motivated to maybe get off the couch and become an endurance athlete or at least get moving somewhere in between, right? And make it a great day. Thank you. You too. I want to thank Hillary Topper for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Hillary is an inspiration to business owners and athletes everywhere. I truly believe there are some strong ties to the qualities and characteristics of being an entrepreneur and an athlete, and I really believe Hillary has proven this to be true. Hillary's success with her business and everything she does is a true testament to her passion and purpose for what she does, as well as the impact she is making. Hillary Topper and all she is involved with can be found across most social media platforms, and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content, and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.